Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astro! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H Town Hardball. So we are back here on Go, Go Astros. We've had a small break, and in that time, a lot has happened that no one expected. Wait, that's not how it went at all. The only thing more predictable than Putin invading the Ukraine was Manfred canceling baseball games. The writing's been on the wall, and that's, in fact, what happened. Um, first of all, Brian, Andy, how are we doing today? This is the worst sacrifice that's ever been done by anyone. It's okay for Rob Manfred to up for 40 days, but he doesn't need the rest of us to do it too. Okay, we have a Lent comment. I love that. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what? I'm already into this episode so much. Andy, how are you feeling about everything? I mean, I'm wearing black today, and it's not because it's Johnny Cash's birthday or anything. Um, you know, uh, Brian, for some disclosure, uh, Andy and I participated in um, our cinema challenge last night, which will drop next week, and we all had we had podcasters from all over the baseball landscape participating, and we all got to do our prediction for how long this will last. Before we get to how we got here and what it all means, how long do you think we're going to be sitting here asking this question of when there will be baseball? I mean, the question, the answer to that is how much revenue loss can the owners stand? was mostly entirely by the owners and their strategies and their goals and to go without revenue and for some owners and of course the playoffs are the real source of the national money so it could be a few i think it could be you know into may or possibly june the argument again of large market upper middle class teams for example the owner of the team we cheer for jim hey He's got a lot of people who want to come out and see his really good team in April. A lot of season tickets have a higher base there that he's going to have to give money back to these people. At what point do they to Bob Nutting and the Pirates and Dick Mon? Your ways aren't working. I need some money. Let's end this now. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see May or June too, and it's kind of uh, awkward. Um, I guess, Andy, you've you actually started talking about this happening and like it's happened well over a year ago on episodes of Let's Get To. Um, and I guess after we saw the pandemic and them not be able to figure things out to play in the pandemic, um, I guess, it, what do you think the biggest sticking point and how did we get here? Uh, to me, the biggest sticking point is that the owner's aren't budging in, in any significant way um, on what they want to see coming out of this new CBA. Uh, I think the players have given some, I don't think the players have budged all that much either. And it, it becomes, I think everything else would work itself out if it could get past the competitive balance tax, which has turned itself into a salary cap. Um, and that's ultimately what the players are having the biggest issue with. And that's where they're the farthest part, farthest apart on. Um, I think you work out 12 to 14 playoff teams. I don't agree with either of those numbers, but I think you can work out whatever that ends up looking like. I think you can work out super twos. I think you can work out everything else. And I think overall, the frustrating thing for me is the dollar amount, what I've seen estimated, looks like it's going to be $200 million 
between what the players want and what the owners want across baseball. So you divide that by 30 teams. That's really what you're talking about, the difference being. So you're going to have an interesting thing happen the longer this pull, longer this um, drags on is you're going to have teams on the higher end of that uh, uh, higher end of spending who recognize that, okay, what is that? $10 million for us, $7 million for us. That's a middle reliever. That's not a big deal. We could be playing and selling tickets. Whereas you're going to have teams on the other end of the spectrum, like the Orioles, like the pirates, um, like the Royals in, in some ways that don't want to spend money that maybe they can't spend money. I'm not going to pretend to know each individual club's finances, but that that pressure between the larger market clubs and the smaller market clubs is going to eventually divide the owners group. Um, Manfred's trick will be to keep it together without being assassinated by somebody for laughing at the wrong moment. Like I just did. Um, Brian, you know, and I don't, I, you know, you and I, I don't think you and I've ever actually discussed how we feel about a salary cap. I do think that the salary cap obviously works in the NFL. I think the NFL is a better product since the salary cap came in. Although I guess the salary cap is also tied to revenue. It does in fact go up every year and, and sometimes year. by a lot. Is that really the issue? Is the issue the CB, the competitive balance task existing or the fact that it doesn't seem to be going up at a pace in which revenue is also going up? Yes. Well, it's connected to another issue, which is that payroll has been flat over the last four years for players. And at the same time, that's revenues are rising sharply in the sport. And the slope of that has greatly increased over the last really decade. And the amount of that that's going to players has not kept up. Uh, and so that's really what's driving, you know, that's what's driving the players' willingness uh, to participate in this, to, uh, you know, not to sign a CBA, not to agree with whatever the owners want. What's a little harder to figure out is why are the owners so intransigent? Why are they so committed to, hey, let's keep all of the new revenues that are coming to the sport? Andy talked about the uh, 12 or 14 team playoffs. A 14 team playoff is worth $100 million more to the owners mm -hmm. or to the sport, I should say. And so, you know, I didn't see Jim Crane uh, beat the uh, beat either the Red Sox or the White Sox uh, last postseason. I saw Jose Altuve and Framber Valdez, <laughs> you know, Jordan Alvarez do that. Hey, I'd rather reward them with that money than Jim Crane. Well, it's a silly little thing too, but the players don't actually get paid for the playoffs. So when you start playing payoff games, it's pure revenue for the owners. There's no payroll consideration outside of the playoff shares. And the playoff shares are dramatically less than what Jose Altuve, Justin Verlander, that level of player is making. That's a big deal for your 26th guy on the roster. If you go deep in the playoffs, they might double their salary. Um, but it's... It, it is just a pure revenue drive, just like spring training. Major league players don't get paid for spring, spring training either. Yeah, um, I think the thing, I think what it shows you is just how short-sighted the owners are. And we've, we've had this conversation a bunch on the show where these are not um, the same owners that the kind of owners you had 20 years ago. They're not the same kind of owners you have in the NFL. They are short-sighting the sport, I think. Look, I think, um, you know, because the players wanted to get rid of or drastically reduce revenue sharing, I think that's bad for the sport. I think you have to take a league-first approach, but part of that is the sort of understanding that as the league makes more money, 
a large percentage of that should go to the players. I mean, and isn't it true, Brian, that basically it's actually been regressive when you look at things like inflation, you look at all this other stuff that actually players are making less actual money than they did before. Um, they're making a smaller share of what the game's making, of uh, what the, the, you know, the revenues in the sport and it uh, pay has stagnated over the last decade for players, particularly in the last four years where it's the peak right now is the peak in nominal dollars is 2018. So yes, absolutely. Andy, you, um, smart guy you deal with people in your job um is it usually helpful before an issue is resolved to say this is our last and final offer oh no they didn't say that they never said that they said it was our last final offer today oh we'll have a different one uh we would never ever say that it's our last final that would be a horrible thing to say to somebody on a negotiating table um no baseball I, I read something interesting that I, the more I think about, it, the more I agree about, agree with it. And I wish I could remember who exactly uh, had posted it. Baseball's ownership seems to believe that they can negotiate through the media the way that they have almost every work stoppage prior without taking into account that every player can immediately get on the internet and talk to their millions of followers and tell them what's actually going on from their perspective. You used to maybe get a soundbite from the Tony Clark or uh, whoever was that same level from the union, but mostly it was the owners priming the um, their media guys with this is the information, this is what's happening, and that is what the general public accepted. And I think that's still a large part of why you've got Stockholm syndrome with fans assuming that the owners are you know good and just and right, and the players should just take whatever deal because it's just a game they're playing. Um, so it's interesting to me uh, that we now see the players' perspective from it. And I'm not saying the players are 100% right. Right. But the players are a whole lot more right than the owners are in this instance. And the owners seem to think that the fans, who are the party that ultimately always gets screwed in these situations, um, don't have both sides of the conversation that they can pretend like they did, what was it, Monday night, that negotiations were going really, really, really well, and it's just about to close. And it turns out that was all just pumping it through their media sources so they could turn around on Tuesday and say, hey, guess what? We had a deal, but the players just wouldn't accept it. So we're going to have to cancel games because the players are bad. And just to you know, add on to Eddie's point here, uh, both uh, Rob Manfred and then, uh, you know, players representatives gave press conferences yesterday and the players managed to do it without a ton of people saying, well, that's a very false statement they just made right there, um, well, which is very different than Rob Manfred's press conference, where he said a lot of things which immediately got uh, debunked by a wide variety of media sources. And Andy's absolutely right. The players can now tell us what they think in ways that were not possible back in 1994. But I think the media has improved that there are a lot more uh, reporters now who are much more skeptical of what the owners are saying than at least what I remember from 1994. And so that's been, you know, I think a reinforcing well, Yeah, because in 1994, it was still a story told through local papers for the most part, which meant you have one to national source in the ESPN, basically. Yeah. Um, my question to you, Brian and Andy, is how did you see the players' press conference? Because I was watching it, and it got cut off on MLB Network halfway through, uh, which I found to be an interesting move. And then watching watching the MLB host, you know, Harold, like just twisting themselves in knots to talk to applaud the commissioner for the, the steps they took. 
Well, when Harold Reynolds lives near me and I've seen him in the grocery store before, so if I do it again, I'm definitely shooting him a dirty look. And keep your daughters away from him. <laughs> allegedly. Alleged, allegedly. Um, but, I guess I guess before I know, Brian, you wanted to ask the last question of the episode. So, but I want to ask you guys as fans, because Andy, you did hit it on the head. Like, I don't, I'm not going to get mad and, and people get mad at people for saying, I'm not going to get mad at a kid, at, at a, at a, at a blue collar guy, a working class guy who works 12 hours a day. And all he has to look forward to is the Cardinals on TV, right? I'm not going to get mad at that guy for not fully grasping the intricacies of this labor dispute. I do think fans are consistently the ones that are screwed over. Whatever deal they make, we will end up funding because everything that we already do is going to go up. Do you see, though, this event, we'll start with Andy, then Brian, um, having the same effect of 1994, losing fans without Cal Ripken coming out of retirement or legalizing steroids again? I mean, where do you see the future of the game as far as the fan base goes? Well, I mean, this is one of the things that we have talked about probably to the point that people start tuning it out when we bring it up. But Major League Baseball has a horrible, horrible problem with how it markets itself. And so when you do things like lockout players and then you don't have a product to sell you are going to lose fans and you can't market them with a Cal Ripken even if you have a Justin Verlander who's probably on the Hall of Fame tour of his career at this point and other players Mike Trout uh, uh, Judge the, I mean the Yankees roster outside of that Yankees roster we don't promote players so there are no heroes in the game right now so there's nobody that you can ride like you could have a Cal Ripken and a chase for the Ironman record uh, like you did in 95 to bring fans back in. Um, and it's the short-sighted, the short-sightedness of major league baseball to continue to treat this like it's 30 regional operations that happens to have an umbrella corporation over it versus a sports league like the NFL, like the NBA, like the NHL, like the MLS, um, it, it's going to hurt them. They're going to lose fans. Will they get the fans back? Yes. Is the casual guy going to just be happy to be able to buy a ticket in July or August when games start? Sure. And corporations will still buy season tickets because corporations buy season tickets and they give them out. Um, but you're going to lose ratings, which means you're going to lose advertising dollars, which means it's ultimately going to hurt your revenue. Uh, so yeah, it's, the, it's not a good situation for anybody. Um, and ultimately the fans are the ones that pay the price because we're going to go at least a week with no games, if not months, like most of us think, um, I, I really think July, I really think, you know, Manford realized he could do a 60 game season and then have 14 teams in the playoffs and go from there. Um, and I think that's where we're going to end up this year. If there's baseball, Brian, excuse me, there's major league baseball, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm slightly, I'm slightly more optimistic than Andy, uh, only in this sense here that, you know, be, this is not, this won't be as bad as 1994 because this is happening in, you know, if they cancel two months of games, it's April and May, and that's lousy and terrible and bad. But 1994, they canceled the World Series because um, they couldn't, you know, because they were really, really determined. Uh, it's sort of, you know, in 1994, in, you know, in 95, it ended because they tried to impose a sanction, uh, impose a, uh, a settlement on the players. It got rejected by a federal court. Judge Sonia Sotomayor was the uh, person who made that ruling. Um, you know, so 
it's a little harder this year in that sense, but the fact that it's earlier in the year means that that damage will be less. But here's my pessimistic but to that, optimi to that optimistic scenario, which didn't sound all that optimistic. The pessimistic but is people have a lot more options on how they entertain themselves today. And that includes in the sports world where, for instance, I think I was aware in 1994, there was soccer being played in Europe. But now I can get that every, basically every single day on a, you know, on my cable package and certainly every single day on a streaming service that comes to my laptop or my iPad. And so there are more options with, you know, with, you know, with that and with video games and other sports being available and just more options for consumers today. And that's well, and, a broader and, worry for Major League Baseball. And even if you're looking for baseball, MILB TV exists, but also just about every league now has a, a, a streaming service better than Flow Sports, I learned this past weekend. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you're right. It's definitely more options out there. So well, you yeah. wanted to wrap us up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andy. Sorry. Sorry. And ESPN has started to pivot, even though they, they got out of the baseball business a few years ago, except for big events. But they're very much touting that they're going to have 2,200 college baseball games on their various streaming services and broadcast networks. Um, that's something that they probably had and weren't talking about. But if you need a baseball TV fix, that's a place to go. Minor League Baseball has a streaming service, and you can watch almost every minor league baseball game with a few exceptions um, when you want to at six o'clock at night, you're just watching it on your iPad or casting it to your TV now. But, you know, I, and I think that's what a lot of teams are, a lot of fans are going to end up doing that want baseball is that you're going to go to the minor league park or you're going to subscribe to MILB streaming service and get your baseball fix that way. And ultimately I think you're going to see a lot of fans find out that I can enjoy this team. That's almost as good as the major leagues for a whole hell of a lot cheaper um, and, and it's a business that even though it's owned by Major League Baseball now, that's going to cater to what I want because they need fans to buy tickets. Oh, yeah. I mean, I 100% uh, agree. Brian, you had asked to end the show with the question. So, yes. And, and my question is a little bit more uh, a frivolity uh, based element from what we've been talking about today. And the question is for you, James, because to me, one of the breakout stars of the lockout has been the minimalist cinematography of Evan Drellick in the Roger Dean Stadium parking lot, where he's had these, um, you know, Reservoir Dog-esque, you know, <laughs> videos of uh, owner's representatives walking around, uh, you know, walking uh, across the yeah, parking lot. So as the film guy, as the guy who loves baseball and film and, and, and you know, has podcasts on both here, I wanted your review of, uh, of these videos. I definitely uh, appreciate the cinematography. It's got a very gritty, grounded approach to it. Uh, I think the Tarantino comparison is excellent. Uh, there's a certain young Ed Burns in there, too, because it really feels like real people as opposed to sort of um, uh, caricatures of people. I don't know if it's Oscar worthy, but I. But the only reason why I wouldn't say it's Oscar worthy is, uh, internet TV or those Emmys or Oscars. We're still trying to figure that out. But uh, I've really appreciated the, uh, the the random um, approach to that. That also begs another question, though. Actually, Brian, that that, and I want to get you both to weigh in on this. Lance McCullers apparently shut down his Twitter. Do we know any idea why or? 
Andy, do you have? No, I have not heard that because he was he was tweeting yesterday as part of the. He's the Astros player representative. He was at negotiations on at least one of the days. Um, So it is back up now. Okay, it's back up now. It was shut down yesterday, and I wonder maybe he got into Twitter jail. Well, I, I was wondering if it's Twitter jail or his agent or somebody finally realized he was going to say something that he probably didn't need to say. Because he was fairly hot and heavy at that moment um, after they start to announce they were canceling games. So maybe it was just discretion being the better part of Valor. And we've all, all three of us, have been longing for him to mature. So maybe, <laughs> fingers crossed, this was a sign. Maybe this of course was it a won't sign. matter because he's not ready to pitch right now anyway, evidently. And if we were in a real baseball season, we'd be talking about right now that his arm is still not good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think um, – that decision in October is really starting to look worse and worse as we get there. Uh, but you guys aren't looking worse and worse. We'll be back next week for an update and to keep breaking down all of this stuff from the fans perspective. Uh, until then you guys go Strohs. <laughs>